Uh, we're in a series of uh, things talking about people in the Bible who say yes to God. And today we we're going to be thinking about Moses and our Bible reading is the famous episode of Moses and the Burning Bush, which is why I bought this beautiful bush for so you. So beautiful you've hidden it in a bag. Yeah, so beautiful it's hidden in this bag. There it is. A splendid that is, specimen. Am I on, Carol? Okay. Uh, which is very visual and lovely. And just to further enhance the visuals of this Moses and the burning bush, I brought my blowtorch. No, on. no, I, I, I don't think so. Come on. No, no, that's not a very kind thought. I mean, it's a good visual effect, but... I don't think it's a very good idea because Joy likes this bush. It's one of her favourites. It will be really spectacular. Yeah, it might be spectacular, but it's not going to happen. And also, uh, we weren't able to have a word with Jamie before the service, who's the health and safety officer, and I think he might object. Jamie is not here today. Right? I, I know, I know, but I, th- I feel we ought to be in his shoes, haven't we, really? So, I've got an idea anyway. So, to get the idea of flames, I think what we'll do is we'll put some of these on to give the appropriate effect. You can help if you wish. Thank you. The reading this morning is in Exodus, second book of the Bible. Starts... Beginning of chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then skip a few verses to verse 17. This is on page 59, quite near the beginning. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, moving on to verse 17. It's a long story. It's two whole chapters, and it's been edited for digestibility. And this is what God instructed Moses to say to the leaders of Israel. I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land 
of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rod. It's a bit of a weird thing, really, isn't it, this burning bush? What's going on? Why why would God lurk in a bush in the wilderness? Why would he set the bush on fire? Anyone? Why? Why would you do a thing like that? Everyone's very quiet. We were hoping there'd be some more... Yeah. Attention. Yeah. So God wants to attract attention. His first step is to use the flames to get Moses' attention. Over here, Moses, look over here. It's a bit like you know, we still use flashing lights, you know, the blue. Did you used to enjoy using the blue lights on your police cars? I bet you did. Or the red lights on level crossings and that sort of thing. Flashing, flashing lights get people's attention. But there's a second thing going on that really actually then serves to draw Moses in. Because earlier on, Rob didn't want me setting fire to his bush. And I understand why. And Joy wouldn't be that happy. And we have to you know, keep people on board, but he didn't want me doing that. I can do fire. I like fire. It's good fun, isn't it? But the thing is, I can only do the ordinary kind of fire. I can only do the kind where afterwards Rob and Joy would not have a bush to take home with them. We might not have a church either. We would have an insurance claim instead. You wouldn't have a bush left anymore. But the bush that Moses sees doesn't get burned up. It just sits there, flaming away, but not getting burned up. It's weird. It's unnatural. And there's a message there, which is that God is in control. Something supernatural is going on. This is not just a bush that got hit by lightning, as Moses happened to be walking there. That's not what's happening. God's doing something that... Moses really needs to pay attention to. The fire is there, and the not getting burned up is there to help Moses recognize what's going on. He needs to stop and pay attention. Something miraculous is happening. God's at work. Moses needs to recognize that. And yet Moses needs to do more than... To recognize, well, that's interesting. That's unusual. I've not seen that before. He needs to do more than recognize and pay attention. He is going to be asked to do more than that. Moses is going to get a job. A big, scary job. He's going to be asked to lead God's people out of slavery, through all sorts of miraculous and unexpected circumstances. 
Did you notice in the reading when God tells Moses who he is, Moses hides his face, he's afraid to look at God, he's shrinking back. And why is that? What do you think? Anyone want to say anything about that? You're all very quiet this morning. There's no children and you're not yet stepping up into the, into the breach. He is scared. Why is he scared? What is scary about this? God is big. God is holy. God is almighty. Moses is not holy. He's in the place he is because he's run away because he's murdered a man. And maybe he's afraid of what God might be going to ask him as well. Because that's something that happens when God is around, isn't it? He he changes things. He sticks his oar in. In our connect group, David is very good at sticking his oar in. But God is much, much more... It's it's a pleasure, Dave. We, We love you very much. But God is in the habit of asking people to do things and they go, whoa. He's in the habit of changing and stirring things up. Question for you all. We'll see if, see if this one goes down any better. Who's the most famous person you've met? Has anyone here met the king? King Charles. You've met him. And, and I've got a good friend who's met him, says he's a very nice man. You met Princess Anne? Ooh. Did anyone here meet our late queen? No? Closest I came was in uh, 2002. She came to open Touchwood, and she came on us to walk about in High Street in Solihull. Yeah, I was wondering if... Yeah. You've met Bradley Walsh. Anyone else met anyone famous? You shook hands with Harold Wilson. How old are you, Karen? <laughs> Martin. Tony Blair. Ellie. Adam Frost from the gardening. I was once on a steam train that was being driven by Timothy West, the actor. He did fine. There was a qualified driver on the engine as well to make sure that everything was under control, which is good because that's what you want when you have fair-paying passengers on your train. But for all all of you who've met these different people... Did it change you? Did it really change who you were, what your life was like? Interesting. I don't think it did. The Queen was very lovely. She was just as little as everyone says she was. (laughs) But it wasn't life-changing. We didn't go home that day feeling that Everything was different now because of the encounter we'd had. But Moses was meeting God. 
He was meeting the creator of the universe. And everything was about to change for him. God, God said to him, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses knew what that was going to mean. This was the God who had taken his ancestor Abraham and sent him out of his home into an unknown future with this promise of some other land they were going to head to sometime in the future, not really sure quite what it was going to look like. This was a God who had been in the habit of making and keeping impossible promises. Abraham and his wife Sarah having the longed-for child that they'd been waiting for for so many, so many years. The God who had built up this one family now into a whole nation and taken them to what had been safety in Egypt. Every time this God spoke to his people, he was going to do something new. He was going to bring them along, even though it was big and scary, because he loved them and they were coming with him, weren't they? Moses knows what this God's like. He knows that God is going to expect him to obey. God is calling him to do a big and scary thing, leading his people out of their slavery into a new land, right out from under Pharaoh's nose. Moses is right to be worried. (laughs) This is going to change his life. Being a contented shepherd looking after his father-in-law's sheep, that's over. So we got recognition, God speaking, and we got obedience. The idea that when God speaks, our role is to listen and follow and say yes. Let's pause, let's sing again, and then Rob will help us carry on thinking about this. But let's so now I'm taking over, and I have an overwhelming one verse to finish with, verse 17. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> it says, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Not many words, but many to stumble over when you're doing the Bible reading. Thank you, Rod. God is telling Moses where he's going to lead his people. God and Moses. It's a place overflowing with good things, but also lots of tribal people who own that land at the moment. God is dictating a message to be given to Israel's elders and people. A group that should remember where they come from. They are offspring of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. One of whose sons, Joseph, was a powerful name in Egypt. This latest pharaoh has forgotten or chooses to forget that heritage. Joseph was led by his God and was wise beyond his humanness. And he saved Egypt in a time of crisis, a seven-year famine. Now, this is all forgotten, and the race who saved Egypt are now enslaved in all but name. They are groaning under the oppression. To be saved, they and the Pharaoh must recognize God's leadership 
and power. They must obey God's will and direction, as must Moses. God promises to free them and take them to a place which overflows with good things, a place of their own promised to Abraham. Moses must turn from a sheep herder into a leader. He will also be a prophet, and his disobedience and theirs will leave them in the desert for 40 years. Is this story seemingly familiar? God creates a place, and we humans, whatever our nationality, destroy that creation through our own sinfulness, our wrongdoing. Small or large, these sins prevent them being able to approach God, who is perfect. The story does not end here. Moses will complete his task and lead Israel to the promised land. But Moses will not enter it, but only look into it. As we read our Bibles, we see the continued disobedience of Israel. But God's promises will be fulfilled because he has a plan and every person who says yes to his promise will be included in a land overflowing with his goodness. Jesus is God's ultimate promise. And as our Connect group has found, even Peter and the disciples had to be convinced that God's message was for all his people. The promise and journey starts way back in Genesis in the garden. And its fulfillment is Jesus Christ. The only way to overcome sin was to sacrifice his son on a cross. It was not a fallback in case he was, all, he, he was always planned and predicted in Scripture. Peter promise was for all. And in Acts 11 verse 18 it says, When they heard all these things, they fell silent, the disciples that is, and they glorified God, saying then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. But this was only after Peter had gone through the whole life story of Jesus to the disciples themselves, those that had witnessed Jesus doing his work. So salvation and this land of milk and honey is now available to all who believe in Jesus Christ. Because at the end of our lives, we will live with a new body in a new place. You may ask, what do I need to do to gain this new life? Well, first, as Richard said, recognize your need for God and for Jesus in your life. Then, secondly, obey what he says and commands. Model your life, your speech, and actions on those of Christ. Finally, believe in the promises that God has made and decide to accept his love and purpose for our lives. So let us pray. Lord, we ask you to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Remember how you appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Help us to recognize you in our daily lives, to speak to you and ask forgiveness when needed, and show repentance in the way that we deal with people and the world around us. Amen.